you have taught us so much more than you will probably ever know. So much was probably modeled um, by the way that your mother maybe taught you and uh, how you have modeled that for so many here. Um, If you did not know, my voice is not doing well already this morning. Uh, Just kind of started kicking in on Friday and I was hoping that things would get better by today, but I'm going to give it my all here today. And um, thank you for being here on Mother's Day. Uh, you know, when I uh, think of moms and Mother's Day, I, I'm reminded of this phrase that I learned just a couple of weeks ago. This phrase, um, mommalies. Any, any of you ever heard that phrase, mommalies? It's, a, it's kind of a, a, a combination of, of moms and homily and um, what moms have taught us. And uh, I sat down with some of our staff this week and, and asked them, what are some phrases that your mom taught you that you still remember today? And some of them, you know, were in their 60s and still remembered some of these things. So I know some of these you'll probably recall, but um, some may be new to you. Here was a couple of them. Um, mom often said, I brought you into this world. I can take you out of this world. And you know that one, right? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. One gal said, uh, she always taught me, if you start something, you need to finish it as well, right? There were a lot of them about eyes, our eyes. And so one said, um, if you eat all your carrots, you can see in the dark. That is not true, but that's all right. Um, If you sit too close to the TV, you will ruin your eyes. Uh, Don't run run with a stick or else you will poke your eyes eyes out. Uh, Don't look cross-eyed unless your face will what? Freeze. Yeah, it will stay like that, right? Um, This is is a strange one, but it's one that I don't know if mom or grandma taught to you. My grandmother taught me this one. Um, Always wear clean underwear (laughs) in case you get in a what? I have no idea why we we follow that, but okay. Um, Wait until your father gets 
Uh, And then the all-purpose one that is in every mother's arsenal, because I said so. That's right, huh? Um, And how about this one? For for every ailment, um, it was always the same answer. I don't know if it was for you or for me, but um, uh, mom would always say to me whenever I felt sick, it sounds like you need to go to the bathroom, right? Right? (laughs) Go sit on the pot is, 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 is what it was. So, so, mom, I don't feel very good. Go sit on the pot. Mom, I have a stomach ache. Go sit on the pot. Mom, I just broke my arm. Go sit on the pot, right? It was, it was, it was always, right? right? Um, and, and, and moms give great hygiene advice as well. Uh, I, I read the Zitz comic. I don't know if you read that in the paper. It's in the Sunday Funnies as well as the Everyday Paper. Um, but here's the mom with her teenage son. Says, Jeremy, will you put some ice in this for me? He says, sure. And um, it goes on to say, and, and don't use your fingers this time, right? He says, okay, okay, all right. Uh, and I don't mean to sound bossy. I just don't like germs. I completely understand, he says, while getting it with his feet... And his toes. <laughs> you know, there was a, a man in the Bible <clears throat> who learned a lot from his mother. And um, he put a lot of it into practice. And so if you have your Bibles, open them up to Proverbs chapter 31. It's a passage <clears throat> of Scripture that we don't often fa- pay much attention to. It's in a popular chapter of the Bible. We just don't look at these specific verses very often. And so it's Proverbs 31. And many of you, I think, are familiar with uh, this chapter. You're, you're, You're familiar with verses 10 through 31, which talks about a woman of noble character and a wife of great value. But we don't pay as much attention to the mamalies in here or the oracle that King Lemuel is taught by his mother. Check this out. Proverbs 31, verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vow? Which, by the way, does that not sound like your mother, right? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? I, I had that very often. Why are you, what are you doing? Son of my vows. Now, we don't know a lot about King Lemuel. We do know that his name means devoted to God. So his no, uh, there's no doubt that his mom was a, was a godly woman. She probably would have brought her son here to be dedicated in a, in a service or at a temple. Um, <clears throat> he was also the king um, in northern um, Arabia, a city by the name of Massa. And so um, she gave him some great practical advice that obviously he put into practice. And he put into practice so that one day he became king. You know, you've often heard the phrase, behind every great man is a great woman. And, and I think most of the time that refers to a wife, but that should refer more often than not to really a great mom. I mean, listen to this advice she says. Verse 3, do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. 
It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink. Now, if you were here last week, you would have heard Pastor Scott talk about Samson. And these were the two issues, two of the issues that Samson had of his eyes for other women and for his, uh, uh, of alcohol in his life. And you see these going on right here. She says, don't give your strength to other women. Don't drink strong drink. Lest, verse 5, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to those who are perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Give them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. But you, hear this now, open your mouth for the mute. For the rights of all who are destitute, open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. You know, that's why we have a godly women's ministry. They had a great event that they down here yesterday. We have another event coming up here. You'll see it in your bulletin, hats off. Uh, for so many women who have been involved in ministry for so many years, uh, circles of service is what they call themselves now, for years, for decades, they have been sewing and doing other things like that to help missionaries overseas. It's why we give donations and come alongside places like the Haven of Peace and Olga Rodriguez, why we serve um, at the Pregnancy Help Center with Nikki Rose, why we do the SOS projects that we have done, and we talked about that a little bit more last Last week, all these things are done because we want to reach out to the poor, because we want to help those who are needy. In the New Testament, there's the great story of a woman who, um, whose life really represents that. And so if you could flip over to Acts chapter 9. On Mother's Day, in this current series that we've been in, I definitely wanted to share about a woman and a woman's life. And so the series that we've been in is called My Story is His Story. And today we're going to talk about a woman with a a funny name. Because she is called Tabitha, but she's also known as Dorcas. And while in 2015 Dorcas may be a playground problem name, her life is transcendent. Her life transcends her name that we don't that we think is kind of strange here in 2015. And in chapter 9, verse 36, here's really all that it says to describe Dorcas. It says, Dorcas was full of good works and acts of charity. We don't know a whole lot more about Dorcas other than when she is talked about, when she is mentioned in Scripture, That's the phrase in the description that follows her. She is full of good works and acts of charity. I can't think of a better way to be known. I mean, think about this just for a moment. How do people know you? How would your children, moms, how would your children describe you? Dads, how would your children describe you? How would your co-workers describe you? How would the people who are closest to you describe you? See, the story that we're reading here today was one where uh, Dorcas dies. And she begins to be eulogized 
by those who love her and care for you. And it's just a reminder to us all that you're writing your eulogy every day by the things you're doing. Let me say that again. You are writing about the things that people will share about your life, how they will remember you. You are writing that every day of your life. So what are you doing today? That's going to cause people to remember you in a positive light. That's going to cause people to remember you and give glory to God above. Well, look at how they remembered Dorcas. And again, this is a great story. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. It says it like this. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. And in those days she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Now, what's interesting is in verse 36, it says, a disciple named Tabitha. We know that Jesus had some ladies who followed him, who were called disciples, but biblically, No other woman in all of Scripture is labeled with this name, disciple. This is the only female in all of Scripture that is described as being a disciple of Jesus. Again, there were other women who followed him, who kind of a larger group of people, and we know that they were followers and disciples of him, but none other are tied in with his name. And so I think that's pretty significant. Verse 38, since Lydia was near Joppa... The disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter is nearby, and Dorcas or Tabitha is thought so highly of, the disciples say, hey, Peter, get over there to see what you can do in this situation. 39. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he arrived... They took him to the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. Now, if you look at that verse, you'll see what more is represented of her life. It it says in Scripture in verse uh, 37, that or 36, that she was full of good works and charity, But think about now what her life is represented as. She's known for three things, and I labeled them all with W's. For widows, weeping, and raps. What do I mean by that? She was the one who helped the widows. She was the one who helped the needy. She was the one who often looked after those who couldn't look after themselves. And because of that, She left them weeping. Because of that, people were saying, what are we going to do without her? Because of that, people were saddened. And then the wraps. Tunics or garments. Actually, the the garments that she sewed or that she she obtained to help the uh, widows were, were undergarments that she gave to them, and either she helped them to have those, or she sold them and helped the widows. We don't know exactly which, but she's remembered 
for the widows that she helped who are now weeping and saddened that she's gone, as well as the tunics and the garments and the wraps that were there. These were the people that she cared about. These were the people that she made a difference in their lives. These were the objects and the goods that she became known for. <clears throat> the, uh, the name Toya Graham probably was not known to us a week ago. But now in this country, she is known as Baltimore Mom, right? Most of you probably have seen about this. If you were out of the country, maybe Pastor Jim, your, your team didn't hear about this. Uh, and Charlie and the others who are here. Um, she is the mom who went and found out that her son was rioting in the streets of uh, Baltimore. And so she went to look for him quickly spotted him in the streets, and despite him being dressed in black and a hood and a mask, she went out there and she took charge, did she not? Those of you who saw the videos of this, yeah. Yeah, she's a single mother of six and literally drug her son out of the rioters and basically said, you get home. Did she not? And, and, and you know, she, she, it was filmed, and so you could easily go online, and you could find this, this in YouTube. Um, it went viral. She was all over the national news. She was interviewed. She was called by Oprah and others. They wanted to know her story. Basically, what she was doing is she was being mom. She was being the mom that she knew she wanted to be, that she knew she should be. And so she was hailed, and she's been hailed by liberals and conservatives, by Democrats, Republicans, by uh, Republicans, by whites, by blacks, as a hero. I mean, some people have called her mom of the year, right? And I think we have a picture here of this son who she kind of went, and now her son, I, and I've heard an interview, and you probably heard it as well, of her son saying, yeah, I'm not going back out in those streets. No, I'm not. And I think it's more because of mom than it is the rioters and the looters and all the things that were going on there. In fact, the only criticism that I've heard of what she did were her own words because she said that she lost her temper and she began saying some, some foul language, right? And she said, my pastor wouldn't be too proud of me when I did that. <laughs> but everything else, she, she, she basically said, you do not belong out here. This is not how I raised you. You need to be back home. You do not belong with these people and what you're doing. That's what she's going to be remembered for. She's remembered for now. She'll probably be remembered for all of time, uh, especially in this country, of being a mom such as that. Well, again, I ask you, what are you remembered for? What have you done? Acts of charity, good works, raising your children in the way they should be raised. We see from the story that Dorcas is remembered by the widows, acts of good charity, good works. And the story goes on as the widows are now weeping for her loss in verse 40, where it says, But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. 
And it became known throughout all of Joppa. And many believed in the Lord because of what she did. And today she's remembered as being this woman of of acts of charity, always doing good, of helping the widows, of helping the poor, helping those who cannot help themselves. We remember that to this day. Now, her story ends well. Um, But maybe you're here today and... um, Mother's Day can be a little bit of a tough day for you. Maybe you're here today and uh, you didn't have a mother that raised you. Maybe she passed away early. Maybe you didn't have that benefit of having a motherly figure in your life. Maybe you've lost your mom. It could have been very recently or it could have been years and years ago. Perhaps maybe even as a mom, you've lost one of your children. And Mother's Day takes on a different day and a different feel for you. Uh, Mother's Day can create that kind of unique pain. Rick and Kay Warren went through this. Rick Warren is the famous pastor down at Saddleback, California, and his wife Kay because they lost their son almost to the day two years ago, Mother's Day weekend. Their son Matthew committed suicide after a long time Um, life of mental illness. And on the one-year anniversary, just a year ago on Mother's Day weekend, Kay gave a profound interview to Christianity Today, and I I just want to read some of the lines that she gave, because I think it ministers to some of you moms who maybe have gone through loss and hardship on this day. Says um, She said that she used to have what she would call a hope box. And she said every time that she would read scripture, she would um, read a scripture that would give her hope, and she would write it down, and she would put it in what she calls her hope box. She says, but after Matthew took his life, she says, I couldn't look at that box anymore. In fact, it, it mocked me. She said that she took all the verses out, emptied it, threw them all away, and her hope box sat empty. I didn't know if I could believe again, she said. But then she said, slowly, I have been repopulating that box with verses. And the first one that God gave to me was 1 Corinthians 15, 43, that says, These bodies were buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. If you are here today, And your son maybe has passed away early. Or maybe your mother is not here today and she has passed away. Remember, these bodies go to the grave in that kind of brokenness. But they are raised. They are raised in God's glory for us. And so whether you're here today and you still feel the pain like Kay Warren does, the loss of her child, or maybe you're here today and you're celebrating Mother's Day, Um, you you remember the story of Dorcas and Tabitha, how she was raised from the dead, and they celebrate the miracle of that. What's important to remember is what we see in verse 42 of this passage, where it says, it became known throughout all of Joppa what Dorcas did and how she was raised But it doesn't stop there. The important thing is that it says, and many believed in who? In the Lord. 
That's what's important. That's what Dorcas would have wanted for her life. That's what, that's what Tabitha would have lived for. Not just the glory and the help that she was given to other people, but to know the Lord is given his glory. And we talk about the life to come. The life to come. The life to come. You know, I spoke a little earlier about eulogies and how perhaps will be remembered, what people will say about you at your funeral, what they'll remember you for. Um, let me share with you one last story, and then I'll be through of a grandmother um, who taught her family a great life lesson. I know many of you have heard this story before, but it's a great time to bring it back up. Um, it reads like this. There was a young woman who was diagnosed with a terminal illness, and she'd be given about uh, three months to live. And so she contacted her pastor and wanted to discuss all the aspects of the funeral services and what would be said and how she'll be remembered. And so she went over all the songs with the pastor and all the scripture verses that she once said. She talked about her outfit and what she would wear with that. And then she remembered one very important thing that she wanted to have done. So she told her pastor as he was getting ready to leave, she said, oh, no, 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 I just remembered. There's one more thing I want you to do. He said, well, what's that? She said, it's very important. I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. The pastor stood looking at the woman, not knowing quite what to say. She said, that surprises you, doesn't it? The pastor said, to be honest, I'm, I'm quite puzzled. Yes, tell me why. The woman explained. My grandmother once told me a story. From that time, I have tried to pass it along to my children, and I hope it gets passed on to their children, and I hope on my funeral time, everybody will be able to remember this. Those who need words of encouragement. My grandmother taught me this story, that every time when she was at a church social, or a potluck, or a family gathering, that as the plates were pulled away, someone would inevitably say, save your fork. Save your fork. And when I thought about saving my fork and what it was for, it was because there was some sort of something coming. Something that was going to be really good. Like a chocolate cake or deep dish apple pie. Something wonderful. Something of substance. So, she said, I just want people to see me in the casket with a fork in my hand. And I want them to wonder, what's with the fork? And then I want you to tell them at the funeral, keep your fork, because the best is yet to come. Pastor recalls, he was standing beside the casket as everybody came in beforehand, and one by one by one by one, the people would lean over and look and see the beauty of this woman who had now passed away, and one by one by one by one, there would be a puzzled look on their face, and also a smile as they saw the fork in her hand. And at her funeral, to eulogize her, even as she gave instructions to her pastor, she would say, as he passed this on, she wanted that fork in her hand for you to know that the best is yet to come. And she's there now. And the pastor looked at the congregation and said, will you be there as well? Folks at First Baptist, she was remembered for a fork in her hand. And I don't know if, 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 if you know, you, you come out of this day and, and we remember, you know, the, 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 the Tabitha, the story and how she's remembered for doing acts of charity and good works. 
Or that we would be people who would be like the fork-bearing woman who, who pointed to the best is yet to come. Or maybe you'll be remembered like Baltimore mom, only be a little bit more tender in that, all right, than, than maybe Baltimore mom was. But however you are going to be remembered, I pray that we are people who, as verse 42 says, whatever is done in our lives, get this, however it becomes known, We want people to believe and to be pointed to the glory that the Lord will receive. Not for us, not for our children, not for our grandchildren, not wherever. We want them all to be pointed to God, to Him be the glory. And I would pray as you leave this place, as we've talked about what you'll be remembered for, as we've talked about how people will stand and give testimony at your time of leaving this earth, that you would be someone who says, Lord, may I be remembered for my acts of charity. May I be remembered for my good works. May I be be someone who's remembered for the good that I have done, but not because of me and not to remember me by, but as verse 42 says, so that people may believe in the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, Mother's Day is a special day. It's a day that uh, probably brings up a lot of different feelings and emotions. We celebrate with people like Heather and Nate at the beginning of life that they have. Remember the video that kind of tracks all the way through life from birth to the events of receiving the Lord, driving a car, getting married, and Lord, how life begins again. We think about a godly woman in Scripture like Dorcas, who um, got children remembered for all of time, for the acts of charity she did, for the good works that she did, but also because, God, you received the glory from what took place in her life. How, because of what Peter did in raising her from the dead, God, the glory is given to you. And I would pray that as we are here today, for each and every one of us, we would walk away understanding a little bit more about how the things that we do on this day are going to be the things that we are remembered for. God, may the people of First Baptist be remembered for their good works. May the people of First Baptist be remembered for their acts of charity. May the people of First Baptist be remembered as always pointing towards you. God, may we mentally carry a fork within our hands of even remembering that the best is yet to come. We celebrate what that means. We rejoice in your goodness to us. And Lord, as we live the rest of this day, perhaps remembering mom, perhaps giving her a phone call, or if she's passed away, just thanking you for what you have done and giving us a godly mom. Or perhaps, Lord, if we don't have that kind of a history with her, we can focus more upon what our heritage is leaving. Lord, we want to point people towards you as well. So thank you for this time. Even now as we close in a song of of commitment and dedication of what we now are going to leave here doing. God, we thank you for what this call means to our lives. We love you and we thank you. And may you always 
May you always receive the glory. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray.